And uh, praise the Lord for Peter that wrote the book that we're reading from this morning. And in his old age, he wrote what we have just read from 1 Peter chapter 5. And he was like most Jewish men. He was very Jewish in his thinking. He was uh, very for the Jewish nation, though he'd just be a fisherman. And though he was concentrating on the kingdom coming, he could see there was something else and he had to be taught that lesson. Even after he was taught the lesson at Joppa that he must rise and eat of unclean animals, picturing that he must take the message of the gospel to the Gentiles, not just to Jewish people, he still resisted somewhat because when he saw he was with Paul, up at Antioch and he saw Jewish people coming he stopped eating with the Gentiles separated himself just to be with Jewish people and Paul had to rebuke him publicly for doing such a thing he said why do that you were eating with the Gentiles and because just because you saw these Jewish people coming you separated yourself he said it's not right and Paul, uh, Peter later called Paul a beloved brother uh, even after that rebuke that Paul gave him that's good, isn't it? To see that brethren who once had a dispute can call each other beloved brothers. Well, <clears throat> we come to this portion here and we see where Peter is warning us of Satan and his attack. And last week we started uh, thinking, and we'll do probably three services on this, three sermons on it, Satan's attack on Christians. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. And be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, like a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Satan is not around and about devouring those he's already got in his camp, is he? He's got them. He doesn't have to bother much with them. He's out to devour and attack those who are walking in the truth. <laughs> who are trying to expose his lies. And that be you, brethren. That be those who are reading, understanding, and exposing his lies. And so be prepared for that. In our prayer just a moment ago, with some men next door here, we were praying and, and mentioning some of the men of old who were faithful to the word. You know, they were very lonely men. They are much on their own. You go through the Old Testament men who wrote the scriptures who were faithful and who maybe some of them didn't write the Bible, but they were mentioned there who were faithful to the Lord and at the end of their life they didn't have many friends. Even Paul, who wrote half the books of the New Testament, said, I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your estate. That's what he said. But who is the one that wrote half the New Testament that God used? Paul. And it's interesting that God used those who, at the end, they say, well, this doesn't seem to be working, but God worked through them. And as we looked at, the, at our class this morning, you know, the Jewish nation, it, it doesn't seem to be working, God. 2,000 years, they've been scattered and splattered all over the world and like, they're, they're done with. But look now at the, at the country seven million or more of them in the land cities built from the ashes come together as a nation the most educated highly educated people the, the brains of the world developing things that the world 
uh, can be very thankful for and they're there in any emergency around the world to help out. They're, 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 they're very good at doing that. God has raised them up. The flesh is upon their bones and life is about to be breathed into them. But God is able to even raise them from the dead. God is able to bring back life and he can do that for us. It looks like it's hopeless. Don't despair. The devil seems to have his way. Don't despair. When God is in it, he will keep his promises, won't he? Well, be sober, be vigilant. Be careful. There are traps that Satan sets, are there not? Avoid Satan's snares. Have you put your foot in his trap? I I always... I can't help it. What am I going to pull out of the bag? (laughs) My old rabbit trap. (laughs) I always do this at Starkies or or Kids Go Away. I've never given up my rabbit trap. (laughs) Because we use these. This is what made my living when I was a kid. We used to set these up and down the fence line at Emerald Farm. And um, do you think I can still set it? I've still got all my fingers, see? Maybe I shouldn't do this. I tried it this morning in the shed, so I could still say I could set a trap. I'm getting old and can't bend. I'm just getting rusty as I am. Right, okay. <laughs> yeah, where is she? <laughs> See, a lot of us are silly enough. Silly enough well, you know, when, I set, when we set the trap for the uh, rabbits, we just didn't. You know, sit it like this. We found where they went through the hole in the fence, into the bush, or down into their burrow. You'd look to see if they'd often been in and out. You could see it was a used burrow. And we just didn't kill them for the fun of it. We killed them and scun them and gutted them and, and gave them to the local shop and we got money for it. That was our pocket money. And um, <coughs> we would set it in a trap, the trap where they were frequenting. And we would look and observe where leaves were laid and things were before we dug a hole, buried it, put paper over it and put the dirt back on and then put the leaves back in place to be very deceptive, (laughs) just like the devil, and then leave it. And we would leave it for... We wouldn't just say, oh, next day it hadn't caught anything. So we'll set it somewhere else. We'd leave it for a week. And then they'd get used to it. And the old devil does that to us, you know. He'll leave it for a week. And we become familiar with it. And then we start putting our foot in it. You know, and, and, you know we hop along like the old rabbit, you know. We, and we just put our foot in it. We, and it, it gets nasty in the dog trap. The bigger dog traps and things like that that... I don't think they're legal anymore, are they? No. But that's just for show. <laughs> yeah. 
in case they stop us buying meat from the butchers, I've got still got a rabbit trap. <laughs> but <clears throat> you see, we need to be careful, folks. There are so many traps that a, Satan is setting for us every which way in life. The snares of the devil. Listen to what Timothy said in 2 Timothy 2.26. And that they may, may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Folks, it's something simple, but it's something to remember that we are taken captive by him at his will. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that we'd see the principle, this practice of Satan that he uses against us as Christians and against the world in general, that he wants to lure us in, he wants to set traps for us, he wants us to become familiar with what's his snares so that we think it's okay and we walk right into his snare. And Lord, that we'd be aware that he wants to bring us down, he wants us to lose our testimony, he wants us to become ineffective and ineffectual in your work and your witness for your glory. And I pray that we would take heed, take stock of our life, and turn around, repent and confess, and walk in your way if we're walking in the wrong way away from you. Lord, minister for your glory in our lives that we might be a good and godly testimony. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> we have four points, or five, yay, a concluding one to look at this morning. First of all, don't stray. Don't become a prodigal and a proverb amongst men as you stray. Proverbs, uh, Psalms 19, 119 verse 67 says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have kept thy word. You know why the psalmist was afflicted? Because he went astray. And the Lord afflicted him that he might not go astray. <laughs> Christians sometimes neglect their prayer life, they fail to study the word as they would, as we should. <laughs> and when they do this, they begin to stray. We begin to stray. Let me, let me include myself in that group. The list of some of those who did this, and you see, as we look at this list, we see these are not people that are, you know, just Joe Blows. These are people that we find prominent in the scripture. You think of Abraham. He left Ur of the Chaldees. He went to Haran. And then he was called of Haran. And he went down into the promised land. And then he strayed. He went down into what? Egypt. A picture of the world. We won't turn to all these. But that's found in Genesis 12. And it, I believe it's there that Lot, his nephew, picked up some worldly habits. And brought them out with him. And there Abraham lied as well. We, we have these things that happen to them as they stray off the path. God, he should have stayed in the promised land and God would have met the needs there instead of straying off the path, the straight and narrow road. Genesis 12 
gives us that occasion. You have Genesis 13. You have Lot. He went off the straight and narrow too. He strayed off the path. This was the snare of the devil. He looked. He said, to, you know, there, there's too many cattle. We've got Abraham and Lot with all their herds. And they said, the land cannot, cannot uh, sustain us. And Abraham said, make your choice. And, and Lot looked and he saw the well-watered plains of the Jordan. And what did Lot think? Well, there's the place to go. <laughs> but what was down there? Sodom was down there. And the influence of Sodom, and this was the snare of the devil for him. And he, and he went down there and slowly but surely he got influenced by the city of Sodom. And he moved into the city and his family got influenced by the, the sounds and the sights and the sins of Sodom. And when he had to leave Sodom, they didn't want to leave. He told them that there's destruction coming. They didn't believe him and he lost his family in the destruction of Sodom, did he not? Even his own wife. He did have two daughters that he saved from, from Sodom. And we know what happened to them. Edom and Moab are the nations that come from them and their sin with their father. But you see how it affects. When we stray, it affects others that are under our influence. And even can destroy those under our influence. We don't sin alone. It affects other people if we stray. Sodom. Well, <coughs> I mean Lot in Sodom. Don't stray. Genesis 13. David. <laughs> David, a prominent man. A man after God's own heart. This is found in Second Samuel 11 and 12. He should have been out fighting the battles. Instead, he stayed home. And he strayed, did he not, with Bathsheba. And look at the result in his family. Look at the result. You've given occasion for the enemies to speak reproachfully of the nation of Israel and of the, the God of Israel. He strayed. Folks, we have temptations all around us that are inviting us to stray off the path and to put our foot in the trap, in the snare of Satan. And as long as he can do that, he can affect our lives for the rest of our life that we can be uh, made ineffective. And Satan wants that, to be ineffective for the rest of our lives for God. <laughs> We've got the, we'll turn just for a moment to Luke chapter 15. We might only get through one point this morning. <clears throat> you got my clock. <laughs> Luke chapter 15. You've got the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. The lost son, the prodigal. Did he have a lot of things going for him when he was home? Oh, yeah. He had a good bed. He had a good father. He got a good family. He had good food. He had everything going for him at home. Good fellowship. He had a, he had a regular routine. He had work to do. He had peace, contentment. He could lie down without any worries at night. And he said, nah, I want to get out there and ha I want to go out and live the worldly life. <laughs> I want to kick up my heels. I want to have fun with some friends down in the city. 
This is not a new thing, is it? This is as old as the Bible itself. I want to just kick up my heels. I can give personal illustrations when I was a kid of people I know real close to me that did exactly this. I want to go to Melbourne. I want to kick up my heels. I want to rent a place with all my fellow... I I better not go there. (laughs) It's... (laughs) And, and we're going to rent a place and we're going to get together with all our friends and they rent a place with six or seven of them in the same house and, and we're going to do that. And, and they did. But you know what? It affected them for the rest of their lives. It cost them. cost them dearly. Because now we're 50 years away from that and we can look back and see what it cost. It drew them astray, just like the prodigal. He went down there and he lost everything. He... He, he lost his, his cleanliness. He lost his purity. He lost his money. He always lost his life, didn't he? Until he came to himself and realized, what am I doing down here with the pigs? He didn't have to go there, did he? He could have maintained that. But why is it that we desire and lust after and want to go astray knowing the, res- the results of that looking at examples of people that have gone that way what is it that drives us is it the devil is it the old nature is it a combination of those that, that you know we think we can do better than everyone else has done it and, and, and found ourselves in the pig pen I think the Lord gave this illustration to show that it is so true. We will, we will find ourselves down there and we'll find ourselves, well, we need to go back to Father. We need to go back home. Where even the servants live better than I am on the husks that the swine do, do live on, as he said there. And say, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. You know, until we get to that point. When we're down there, we've lost everything. Then I don't think we can, we've really come home. Until we admit what we've done, until we repent in our heart of our sin that we have committed. Like David, when, when Nathan confronted him, you know, at, at that point, he, 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 he was, David was real mad with the guy that Nathan had shown and stolen that pet sheep. And, and it, it was, you know, where is the man? Let's get a hold of him. You are the man. <laughs> and then and David put up his, oh, I have sinned. Now, until we get to that point of repentance, true repentance, then we've not really turned around and realized how low we've gone, how low we've sunk, how prodigal we've become how big a pig pen we're in I don't know what it is with us if we ever buy another house I don't think we will we're getting too old but we'll have to make sure there's no pigs around first place I lived in Emerald next door farmer was a or the next door farm was a pig farm I moved to Albury pig farm (laughs) and all those people that live in the plush posh area next to us if they only knew 
It used to be a pig farm and it used to be a settlement pond and their house is right on top of it. But uh, I don't know, they cleaned it out and packed it all down. Anyway, they don't know. <laughs> but it used to be, I felt right at home when we moved to Albury. You know, pig squealing and smell would blow from the south and... Oh. <laughs> no. But I don't know why pe- people love to be around pigs. I was glad when they closed it down. <laughs> why would you want to go there? And, you know, go astray. Put your foot in it. Into the snare of Satan. Instead of staying on the straight and narrow, the lost sheep. The lost sheep. Isn't it good? <laughs> As you look at earlier in Luke chapter 15, the lost sheep. When one of these people go astray, what does the Lord do? He goes and gets them. The Lord is compassionate. The Lord knows our heart. The Lord doesn't want that one to go astray. He goes looking and hunting and beckoning and to seek that lost one that is down there, that prodigal that has gone astray, wooing that one back to himself. I pray to God for those that have gone astray and we all know people that have done that. We all know people that are out there that have gone astray and fallen into the ways of the world and in the Friends of Israel magazine (laughs) this last issue they've got different people's testimonies that have done exactly that and how they got brought back and in in Tel Aviv (laughs) they've got a recovery centre for people that do that and uh, into drugs and into all the vices of life And, and they give testimony how that place has brought them back through the testimony of Christ and through the witness and and brought them back to the Lord, Jewish people, and brought them back to the right way and brought them to the Lord Jesus. They got and saved and got on the right track. But pray for these people, and we know people like that, and uh, they destroy their life. But praise God, he's the God that can get them back together. And get their life on track. In Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10, we read this. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, as departed unto Thessalonica. Demas has forsaken me. This is Paul, the apostle, talking about a man that was in the ministry with him, Demas. He has loved this present world. Now, for the sake of protecting the name of people, I could stand up here and I could name, for the rest of this sermon, people that have done exactly that. And Pastor McConnell could probably do the same thing. I know he could. People, for the last 50 years, that have walked shoulder to shoulder with us in the gospel preaching, and and pastors, I mean pastors, that have forsaken the ministry that are no longer found even in church. I can think of them now and I can think of where they are and what they're doing. Not even in church. They've gone astray. And don't think it can't happen because these people were in the pulpit preaching. 
You know, they put their foot in it. Into the snare of the devil. And they've been led astray, just like Demas has. Doesn't say he ever come back. John Mark came back, didn't he? But it doesn't say Demas did. Some lack the courage to say no to non-Christian friends. They yield to the old life and become victims of Satan's snares. Turn to Colossians. Colossians chapter 2 and read, read verse 6 through to 8. It reads there, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith. In verse 7, the last part of that, ye have, as ye have been taught, abounding with thanksgiving, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. After the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of Godhead bodily. Beware, folks, lest any man spoil you. You can easily be spoilt through men persuading you or circumstances wooing you back into the world. In verse 20 to 23 of the same chapter, Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are ye subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not which are to perish with the using after the commandments of, and doctrines of men, which things indeed have a show of wisdom in will worship and humility, neglecting the body, not in any honour to the satisfying of the flesh. So we can be persuaded in the flesh to follow after these things and be led astray. But as Paul said in Romans, be not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds as Isaiah 53 verse 6 says all we like sheep have gone astray we have turned everyone to his own way all we praise God we heard the gospel message and we came back from being going astray to the straight and the narrow way what does it say when the Lord talks about the straight and narrow way he said, on the broad road, broad road, there are many, many that go that way. Few there are that find the narrow way, and some on the narrow way go off back to the broad way, as it were. They never were really convinced, <laughs> never really convicted. Let's turn to Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 15. Second Peter 2 and verse 15. <clears throat> Here we have mentioned of Balaam, who, in verse 15 of chapter 2, have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, this word we're using, and following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. Forsaken the right way. And gone astray. The Bible college that I went to, Jill was there one year before me. There was three students in it when she went. There was John Flack, 
herself and Harold Davies. Three students and they met in Pastor Rolly Smith's garage to start with. And then they met in Keystone. There was a shop, a place at Croydon, a public hall at Croydon. And um, <clears throat> the next year I started and there was about 20 of us. And the next year there was 30, about 35 of us. We were meeting in Rowan Street, a, a building, a house that the Croydon Church had brought. And they knocked a wall out because there was 30 of us in there, 35 of us. <clears throat> in that place there was lecturers, Pastor Evan Goff, started this church. Pastor Buddy Smith, he was pastoring a church at Ichuka. Pastor... Rolly Smith, he was the he he was the one that instigated the starting of it, <laughs> and uh, pastor from B- Benella. Uh, uh, no, be after him, Cal Barton, Cal Barton, and and uh, Pastor Doug Couch from Calvary Baptist Church. They were the lecturers. They were the teachers of the of the. So there's about five or five or so, and others. Oh, oh that's right. Um, some of the students were old enough to, to be lecturers, so they, they got them in there too. Harold Davies, for instance, doing different courses. And so all these students were there from all over the place. It was really exciting. I mean, it was gung-ho <laughs> at that time. And they, it looked like, wow, this is really going to go. There's going to be churches started all over Australia and Victoria. This, that was happening in Victoria. The same was happening in Sydney under Larry was Armstrong. Yeah, Larry Armstrong in Sydney. And um, I think it was happening in Brisbane at the same time. And in Adelaide, it wasn't happening like that, but they were sending people over to America through an Australian bloke that married my dad and mum, actually. And they were sending them over there and getting trained over there and coming back. To, to, and, and it looked like it was going to explode as far as churches just starting everywhere. Ten years later, something happened, or less than that. And they started going, and we had a, a, a get-together with just the ones from Victoria, and it's interesting that we got so many come back and to, went to a restaurant, and <clears throat> we started, where are you? Well, what are you doing now? I'm, I'm in business. Uh, I'm in business. I, well, I'm on a farm, and I'm... Ne- and some of them just didn't turn up at all. And what a sad, sad story. To hear of all that effort, all that training, all that, all that sacrifice because they had to work a job and try to do it. It's like doing uni. And then not to have continued. You know, why? Where's the commitment? Where's the dedication? What, what has... They've gone astray. They've followed the wrong way. I think... Like this, we just talked to Balaam. Go to Jude and uh, follow up on Balaam. In Jude verse 11, there's only one chapter. We're not going to get past the first point here of going astray because it's one of the main ones. Don't go astray. Don't stray. Don't strut. Don't stoop. And don't stop with the other three. In Jude verse 11 it says, Woe unto them, that they have gone in the way of Cain. They have run greedily after the error of Balaam for reward. 
and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. These are spots in your love feasts. See, by the end of the era of the early church, these things had set in there as well among themselves. And this, as they're talking back in history, at that time, they're pointing out that this has happened. Remember Jude was all excited about writing about the gospel of Christ as the common salvation in verse 3. But then he said, well, hang on a minute. The Lord led him in a different direction to pen down a warning about people that had gone astray. He said in verse 4, there are certain men crept in unawares who were before ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men turn in the grace of God into lasciviousness, even denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he expanded on that and exposed these people. And in verse 11, he's talking about the way of Cain, the error of Balaam, and the gainsaying of Korah. And he said, these are spots in your love feast. There is, as you read through scripture, thinking of Balaam. There's the way of Balaam. Remember Balaam back in the Old Testament? Balaam and Balak. Balak hired Balaam to curse Israel as they're coming out of Egypt into the promised land. And so <clears throat> Balaam could be paid off. He could be bought. He could use the gift that God had given him to, or Balak thought he could be bought and, and curse Israel. He could be, I put it down, his gift could be marketed, marketed, he could be bought, he could be paid off. And so many people, the devil can see, well, if I can get a hold of this person, I can buy him out. And I can see back there from people that were in or going into ministry with ourselves at that time, people could buy them off. And folks, people have tried to buy us off. The devil has sent them our way. You know, here's a better way. You, 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 you continue in that, you'll be a poor person when you get, get old. Well, so be it. But rich in faith, rich in the Lord. The way of Balaam is marketing your gift. And that's happening throughout the church these days. There's the error of Balaam mentioned in Jude. The way of Balaam, Second Peter 2, 15 and 16 the error of Balaam is Jude verse 11, and that's reasoning from natural morality, that's humanism, and that's the pragmatic approach that is in the church everywhere. If it works, it must be right. You know, if we can fill the church with people, it must be, must be right. And that's the error of Balaam in verse 11 of Jude, the error of Balaam, ran greedily after that. And the doctrine of Balaam and all these deserve a study in themselves. That's in Revelation chapter 2 verse 14. And the doctrine of Balaam, he said to Balak, look, I can't curse them. God won't allow me to curse them. But I'll tell you how to corrupt the people of Israel. He said, get them to marry, intermarry with the nations around them. And folk, this is a snare of Satan. This is a snare that he wants to cause us to be corrupted by. Just a little working with the unsaved. Just a little introduction of their ways into our ways. Just accepting 
the way they do it, just accepting, well, one of ours, ours can marry one of them. It's okay. And it's not folk. You read Corinthians in chapter 6 where it says, you know, what hath light to do with darkness? What hath Christ to do with Belial? <laughs> Nothing. We don't allow that to happen. And that, that is in business, that is in marriage, that is in our fellowship. We separate. There's a doctrine of separation and Balaam's not the one to learn from. That's the error. That's, a, that's what de the devil wants us to stray into that area of the lack of separation. Don't do it. Don't do it. There's the others that are mentioned in that verse 11 of Jude. <laughs> and I well remember going down to Bible study with Doug, Pastor Doug Couch. He had it in his house when he first started Calvary Baptist Church. And we'd go down there every Wednesday night. <clears throat> and, the, and the book he taught from for two years was the book of Jude. 25 verses. For two years he taught through this book. And I well remember it. And I thought, how could you go for two years in one, one chapter? And I thought, he's bad, I'm bad. <laughs> I learned from him. And he was more of a survey man, but he, he spent two years in, in doing the book. He, he's, he's with the Lord now, but <laughs> he, he wouldn't mind me saying that. <laughs> but notice there, Cain, as mentioned here, the way of Cain. This is a, a wrong way, going astray, the way of Cain. What did Cain do? He rebelled against God's way of salvation, didn't he? He went astray. He said, works is the way to get to heaven. Is it? No. There's only one way. It's by faith. And he, he said, look at all the handiwork I've done. Look at the fruit that I brought. Abel offered a blood sacrifice. That's God's way. <laughs> the way of Balaam. He rebelled against God's way of separation. We've just looked at the, the way of Balaam. He was not a separate individual. He tried to corrupt Israel. The way of Korah, he rebelled against the way of God's way of service. And we looked at that some a year or not quite a year ago. He, he, he rose up against Moses in the wilderness and he was swallowed up by the earth. And there's the way of Aaron and Miriam. They rose up against Moses and were not submitted to him as the older brother of Moses. Uh, Aaron and Miriam were and they said no no we're not going to submit and to conclude today we'll go to the last point and we'll turn to Ephesians and chapter 6 Ephesians chapter 6 what we need to do today is not stray but we need to do as Ephesians chapter 6 verse 11 says put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand stand <laughs> Is the word. Just stand, folk. And verse 13 says, Take to you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand. In verse 14, what does it say? Stand. 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 Don't budge. <laughs> um, <clears throat> just stand your ground. Become a powerful testimony for the Lord. And, and when you're I don't think you'll be getting much older before the Lord comes, but if, if he tarries, you want to, in 10 years, to still be what? Standing for the truth. 
not moving, not compromising, not sliding down the slippery slope of compromising by going astray after all sorts of doctrines and ways and, and different things that are, being, that are coming in winds of doctrine. Don't go astray. Stand. Um, <clears throat> Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 35. It says in 10.35, Cast not away therefore your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. <laughs> Keep standing a little while, and he that shall come what will come, and will not tarry. When he comes, he'll come quickly. The just shall live by faith. If any man draw back... Don't stand, in other words, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Just keep standing. Don't draw back. Don't go astray. Don't get off the pathway. Stay on the straight and the narrow road. <clears throat> and the one to conclude with is found back in Peter, 1 Peter 5 and verse 8, where we started from. The warning that we got from that in our reading, 1 Peter 5 verse 10. We'll go back where we started. 5 verse 10. The God of all grace, who hath called us to his eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after he have suffered a while, make you perfect. And these three words here, establish, strengthen, and what? Settle. Just establish, strengthen, and settle. And the other one, stand. Be steadfast, Colossians 1.23. Don't move. Don't buckle under the pressure. There's going to come more and more pressure. There's going to come pressure from governments. There's going to, become, there's going to come pressure from family and even from other fellowships to make you twist and turn and push you astray off the straight and narrow road don't buckle under the pressure I can say that from experience I can say that from the word of God that these things will come just keep going because in the end of it all you're waiting to hear from the Lord what? well done their good and faithful servant your praise is not from men your praise will be from the Lord so just keep keeping on and uh, <clears throat> is it hard at times of course it's going to be hard do you, do you feel like quitting of course you feel like quitting in the flesh but you've got to stay true to the Lord you think of Jeremiah I'll just go back to one of those Old Testament characters you think of Jeremiah when he was thundering out God's word, you read through the book of Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. He was telling the truth. He was saying what God said to him and telling the people. What did he get for it? <laughs> well, he ended up being thrown into a pit of muck and mud and slop and all the everything else that was down there and sunk up. I mean, he sunk down in there and he was left in there to die. And then someone had pity on him. Someone found out he was in there. And they lowered old rags down to get him up, cause he, probably because his flesh had started almost rotting on him. And they lifted him out of the pit. 
They got him up. <clears throat> and then they said, and uh, I mean, lots of things, other things happened. And they said, Jeremiah, should we go down to Egypt or not? What does God say? God gave a message. This is from the remnant that are left after the third deportation up to Babylon. And God gave a message, no, don't go down to Babylon, stay in Jerusalem. And so what did they do? They went to Babylon and dragged him along with them. You know, everything he said, they did the opposite. And you think of poor old Jeremiah. He had no friends, uh, maybe a couple here and there, that had pity pity on him and that fed him. But he was true to his God all the way through. He made promises, you know, folks, that are still yet to come true in our world today. You read Jeremiah chapter 31. <laughs> That's the, the new covenant. A promise that we even partake of today. We're partakers of the new covenant under and through the blood of the Lord Jesus, spoken of in the book of Hebrews, through the blood of Christ. You know, he was faithful. He is famous. He is one that is mentioned in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. They're the, they're the heroes in God's eyes, not the people that went astray and put their foot in Satan's snare. The, the others, we may do another time, but that's just the first point. When you get old, sermons expand <laughs> from experiences you have. Isn't that so, Pastor? Yes, <laughs> he's preaching his expanded sermon. <laughs> Let's close with prayer. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Uh, thank you, Lord, that it is so true. It comes to pass in our lives. And, Lord, we bless you that you've made promises to us that come to pass. Lord, we can trust you. You never lie. And, Lord, you've promised to... Prepare us a place you are preparing, have prepared, and we'll be in your presence one day when you come to receive us unto yourself. And we'll look back at life and say it was worth it all. The little that we went through, the little that we suffered, is nothing compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. I pray that everyone here today would remain faithful, remain on <coughs> the trail in the truth, and true to their saviour and for those listening in and other places lord that they wouldn't buckle under the pressure they'd remain lord and not go astray we hear of so many in the failing and falling of so many we pray for them too lord that they would come back and return just as the prodigal did they can return you can have grace on them, Lord, before it's too late and before they sink into terrible sin that will mark and remain them in their lives for the rest of their life and, Lord, that will disfigure them in their spiritual life they cannot be the testament for you that they could have been. Lord, bring them back to yourself. Lord, if we're tempted now and we've been tempted and we're, we're getting into the pig pen of the, this world and we're listening to and watching or participating in things that we know are wrong, oh Lord, that we'd confess them and forsake them and start walking back close to you in fellowship, in touch with you. And Lord, that our prayers would be powerful 
because, Lord, if we are in sin, our, our prayers are not being heard. Oh, Lord, draw us back to yourself and in your right and narrow pathway. And, Lord, if there be someone here that's not even saved and they're not on the path, they're on the broadway to destruction, draw them back to yourself because it's the only path that we should be on. And, Lord, there will be few that find it, but I pray that there will be someone that finds it today and that they might be called your sheep, your child, that you might lay them on your shoulder and bring them home to yourself. Bless now, Lord, as we, we part and go before us and bring us back to this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>